If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to, let me pull that up, Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 12. And for those of you that have the Bible that have been given to you, that's page 5. Page 5 in your Bible. Genesis chapter 6, 1 to 12. And we're going to look at a specific story here about a major storm the world went through. Before we read, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word continues to give us hope. It reminds us that God is still with us and that he hasn't broken my promise. And so therefore he is still with us. Thank you, Father, for all you that you do. Encourage us now with the word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to read... 1 down to 10, and then I'm going to get used or read the rest of the, the verses, which is 11, 11 and 12. So I'll read. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, and the wickedness of men, men of great, the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created. From the face of the earth, both man, beast, and creeping thing, and birds, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And now you can read verse 10, 11, and 12, actually. So in the beginning of the chapter, God is talking about the sons of God. And this is where the Greeks get this idea of demigods or half God, half, half human. Um, because they read, they, they, they've come across scriptures like this where it says the son of God met with the women of what? Of man. So they interchanged. Or um, they married into a different faith, I would say. One of the 
One of the most important choices you'll make in your life is who you choose to marry. Who you choose to marry. Because you could end up with a person that may not respect you for the rest of your life. But because you've made a vow, an oath, to, to, to love her, protect her, provide for her, and, and vice versa, we become miserable. This is why when you look at marriages today, they're falling apart. They're falling apart because maybe it started off, maybe, you know, maybe my Christian life will influence that person to follow Jesus. Maybe her Christian life will influence the man to follow Jesus. And I'm only going to speak on my little experience. The amount of family members I've seen marry outside the faith, no longer in the faith. Too hard. Too hard to carry that burden of someone else's values and try and carry your own values. Very hard. It doesn't tell us what the Son of God or the sons of God did and what it meant for them, but they lost their way, the Bible says. God says that my spirit with men will not dwell forever. There's coming a time when the spirit will not be with man. Does that mean that the spirit is no longer there? No, the spirit will always be there. Because God says, I will never forsake nor leave you. It's just that our hearts have grown cold, hardened to receive the Spirit. This is what God was, was meaning when he says that my Spirit will not be with man. Not because God didn't want to choose us, but because we didn't choose God. This is what was happening here before the flood. And this is why God was saying that, I need to destroy mankind. It's not, as, it's not like us. When we choose to destroy a country, it's probably to conquer it and take all its resources and, and, and just edify ourselves higher than the other nations. When God destroys, what did it say there in the text when, God was going to, when, he, when he said, I'm going to destroy the earth? What did it say about God's heart? That he, he was sorry he made men. He grieved. He grieved. Because he saw what they were going through. He saw the sufferings that was happening. And because they didn't choose God, they weren't blessed. Because they didn't choose God, they weren't protected. And so they opened themselves up to all sorts of teachings. Have a look at our world today. Our world is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. But don't be disheartened. Because we, as people of the book, people of the Bible, we know how the story ends. Would you say amen? We know how this all comes about. We know that there's coming a time when Jesus will come back and there will be no more suffering. This is why God's heart breaks. I don't believe that my God, when he comes a second time and cleanses the world with fire, 
will say, good riddance, I'm done with them. That's not God's heart. The same like it was when he cleansed the world with water, his heart will also mourn. His heart will also grieve. Why? Because that's his children. We are all his children. Whether you believe in God or not, we are all his children. And so God says he's going to destroy the world with water and he finds someone righteous. Why does God regard him righteous? Anyone? We read it there in the text. He regarded Noah righteous. Why? What was that? Because he obeyed? Yeah, what was the other one? There's another one there where he says he, he walked with God. Let me tell you, if you find someone perfect in this world, come and show me. Because I guarantee you won't find one. Was Noah perfect? No. Not, as, not based on his own credentials. Noah was not perfect. Noah was perfect and made righteous. Why? Because he walked with who? He walked with God. Family, are we walking with God? Are we walking with God? Or is it too hard that our lives are too busy that maybe I'll get to it in the evening? I'll pray then. Oh, tomorrow's another day. I'll get to the Bible then. And then tomorrow turns into a month. A month turns into a year. And I guarantee you, because we are creatures of habit, we'll build a habit that's so hard to undo that only God can undo it. Only God can undo it. And so here you find a man in the Word of God that says Noah was made or was righteous and found favor with the Lord because he walked with God. That means, you know, I remember as, as a young kid, I used to try and run before walking. And, you know, my dad would always hold on to my hand. And so it'd look pretty weird if I do it now, but, you know, I'd be trying to run, but because dad's holding my hand, I'm always trying to fall over or, or going to fall over. But it's going to look unco, it's going to look awkward, but guess what? I'm walking with my father. It's the same in life. That when Jesus, when you walk with God and Jesus, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fall over. You're going to fall over, Cole? You're going to fall over, Fibian? Family, we are all going to fall over. But hold on to the hand of God and walk with Him, family. So here, God is going to cleanse the world. In the Desire of Ages, page 634, love what Sister White says, or Auntie White. She says, The word came to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have seen righteous before me. Noah obeyed and was saved. The message came to Lot, up you get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. That's found in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and 19, verse 14. Lot placed himself under the guardianship of the heavenly messengers and was saved. So Christ's disciples were given warning of the destruction of Jerusalem. Those who watched 
for the sign of the coming ruin and fled the city, escaped the destruction. So now we are given warning of Christ's second coming and of the destruction to fall upon the world. Those who heed the warning will be saved. So the first one, those who watched for the sign of the coming of ruin. Are we watching family? Or do we believe that everything's all right? Do we believe that, you know, the world will get itself together again and we'll, we'll, we'll be back on track again? Do we believe this? It said, those who heed the warning will be saved. Keep watch, my family. Keep walking with God. Because it's God who saves us. 2 Timothy verse, oh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Could I get someone to turn there? And, and for those of you that have this Bible, it's found on 1000, page 1144. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And uh, can I get a volunteer to read that one out aloud, please? 2 Timothy. Just let me know when you found that. And if you want to read, just put your hand up. I'll run a mic to you. Oh, thank you for volunteering, Bailey. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, you should know this, Timothy, that in the, in the last days there will be a very difficult time for people who will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will portray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that, they, that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Do you think if the sons of man, or the sons of God, had stayed away from people like that, do you think God would have needed to cleanse the world? Sin has disrupted the way we do life with God. And because sin has disrupted that, it's disrupted the relationship we have with God. That Adam and Eve was able to walk with God. The stories found in the Bible, right from Genesis to Revelation, is a story about how God is trying to reconnect with His children. It's like, a, it's like children that have left home and the father longs for the, children, for the children to come back home. I've seen this in my own family and I've seen what it does to parents. They decay from inside knowing whether their children will come home alive or have to visit them in prison somewhere. I know what it does to parents. Imagine then how much more that does to God's heart when we've run away from home, when we've run away from His presence. And as we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
Who's seeing that in our world today? I was shocked when I went back home in Logan and I saw this little, I, I'd imagine he was probably around about year four, year five, and the kid was walking home from school, school uniform. Like, wow, that's, and, and the parents around the kid didn't, it was normal. It was normal. That was shocking. I've never seen that before growing up. When I was a chaplain in Bathurst, I've never seen the way, I mean, we weren't perfect, but they're much more open now in how they disobey adults, how they disrespect adults out in town. When they ride through on their scooters and, you know, throw stuff around, and it's, it's getting worse. That's only just looking at it locally. Think of it globally now. Think of what the world is going through. And the Bible is short. It says, Matthew 24, the wickedness of man will increase. It won't decrease. It's going to increase. And God's mission is to cleanse the world away from the thing that is separating us from Him. And that is sin. Would you thank God that He didn't leave us to ourselves? That He came to us to rescue us. And to have a plan for us to be with him where? In his heavenly kingdom. Family, would you like to be there? Would you like to be there where you are with your maker and your maker with you and you with your loved ones all there at the banquet table sharing a meal with our God? What a picture. What a promise that he would come back for us despite the increase of the wickedness of the world. Hey? So 2 Timothy, there it says it increases that people will become lovers of self, slanderers, people will disobey their, their parents, and it goes on forth. But the last one that I want you to really look into is verse 5, which says, having a form of godliness but denying it's power. Church, may that not be us. May we not just tick off church as something we religiously do or a religious act. I've done church. I want to go back to what I was doing. That, that's, that's, that's also to me. That's also to me as, as a pastor. That's also to us, that we don't just put, a, put on a form of godliness, but not accept its power. Because come the time, people will be crying to enter the doors, but the Father will say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. But Father, I casted demons in your name. I baptized people in your name. Father, I led people in your name. Yes, you led them but you didn't lead yourself to have a relationship with me. We all stand alone before God. But thank be to God's grace that all it takes is to know His Son. Do we know His Son, family? Do we know Jesus Christ personally for ourselves? Because He is the ark. He is the one that is going to save us. Let's go to Genesis chapter 7 as we continue on in our story. 1 to 6, I'll read that. 
page 6 for those of you that have the same Bible. So Genesis chapter 7. And we'll continue our reading from there, verses 1 to 6. And it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Ye shall take with you seven of every clean animal, and male and female, to each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of the birds of the, of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. My family, the, the call is simple. The call of God to us is simple. He says, come into the ark. That, that's it. That's all Jesus is asking us to do, is that we open the door up to him when he knocks on the doors of our hearts. Is that we invite him in. That's all he's asking. He's not asking you to have it together because we've tried that. I've tried that. I've tried getting it together on my own. I just make things worse. But the promise here is that when he calls us into the, into the ark, when he calls us to open up the door, we just need to simply open or walk in. Would you say amen? Turn to the person left and right. Hey, you just need to walk in. It's that simple, family. Um, you know, um, D.L. Moody met a certain man and he was worried because he didn't feel saved. Anyone here ever experienced that before in your life? Maybe not experiencing anymore? You didn't feel saved? Yeah, yeah, I've experienced it as well. And so this certain man had met, this, had met Moody and said, look, I don't feel saved. And Moody asked, was Noah safe in the ark? And he said, he certainly, he was. The man replied, well, what made him safe? His feeling or the ark? And the inquirer got the point. He said, how foolish I've been, he said. It is not my feeling. It is Christ who saves. Would you say amen? Our feelings, and I say it all the time, it is one of the biggest deceivers of our Christian journey because we feel like we have to feel the Christian experience. We have to feel the worship. It's not based on feeling. It's not based, but feeling is a bonus. It's a, it's a bonus when you feel good that someone's done something for you. It's a bonus that you feel amazing that when your relationship is on a high. It, those, are, those are bonuses, but they're not the thing that leads us. What doesn't lead us? Feelings, our emotions. What doesn't lead us? Altogether, our emotions. They don't lead us. I guarantee you, follow your emotions, you'll end up outside of the ark. But if you follow the promise to walk into the ark, you are saved. Why? Because the ark saves, not us. That's simple, isn't it? Simple, just walk into the ark. Okay, so Mark chapter 4, where we were with our children's story and we'll close. Mark chapter 4. 
verse 36 and 41, where's, where that story is found. Thank you so much for being good storms. You know, the kids really enjoyed the spitting. I meant the, the waves and the, and the shushing and the... <laughs> but I really appreciate you putting that uh, into action. Mark chapter 4, verse 36, page number 972 for those of you that have the Bible. Okay. So we know, as we just saw in the children's story, that a storm hits the disciples on the boat because they're heading to the other side. Family, we are all heading somewhere. We are all heading somewhere. And that somewhere is certain. It's promised. We're heading to that place. And because we're heading to that place, there are things that are going to hit us. Storms of life are going to hit us. Parenting is going to become hard. I mean, it's going to become hard. Again, it's going to become hard. But whose promise or who is it that we lean on? Jesus. Life's already hard. No need to complicate it with our heart. <laughs> because our heart just makes it harder. We need to lean on Jesus and walk with Jesus. And if we walk with him, he is our ark. And if you read that same story in John, you'll find the same story in the chapter of, in John. It says that Jesus wasn't in the boat with them. John's version says that the disciples went first and then Jesus met them on the water. And as he was walking on the water, the disciples thought he was a ghost. And they were scared. They feared for their life. Now, question. Is the boat the ark? Or is Jesus the ark? So if Jesus is out on the water, where do you want to be? Out in the water because he is the safest place. He is the real ark. Our man-made tinny boats... It's not going to hold. But if Jesus is in that boat, it's going to hold. We were singing earlier, Love at home, love at home, love at home. Are our families and our children and our marriages, are we experiencing that love at home? I'm not saying that we always like each other. That's, that's okay. Love is a choice. Remain in the boat. Love Jesus. Love is a choice. Remain in the boat. Remain in the ark. Remain in Christ. Because that's what love is. I might not always like the path Jesus gives me, but I love him. I will choose him. I didn't like that he was going to send me out to Bathurst, but I followed anyways. I didn't know where Wagga was, but I followed anyways. Why? Because I choose him. I love him. So we don't base it on feeling and emotions, because it's what? It's always going to lead us astray. We stay in the ark. Now, John chapter 10, verse 9, and I'll finish on this, on this, uh, on this verse. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the only door. Jesus is the only door. In the beginning of the world, Jesus created many things we could eat from. Imagine those fruits. To be able to taste of a fruit that wasn't tainted by sin. How beautiful and how tasteful would that be? We had many options, but one option not to do. We weren't to eat of the tree that was in the middle of the garden. We were blessed with so many options. Just don't do that one. But because we failed to keep that one, we lost. We lost a relationship where we could walk with Jesus in, 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 in the physical, in the flesh. We were able to walk with him and not perish. We were able to walk with him and hear the stories that he would tell of how he put the stars in its orbit and the planets. Imagine to hear the story from God's very own mouth. You wouldn't need a messenger or a prophet or a pastor or a Bible. You'd be able to go direct to God, direct to Jesus. But because we took that one way out, we lost his physical presence with us. Now, in the world that we live now, there's so many things that we aren't to do, but one thing that saves us. We've got so many options to choose from to lose our way. But Jesus said, I am the door. There is only one way, family. He's made it simple. Yes, the storms of life happen. Yes, we make mistakes. But the ark, Jesus is the one who saves us. And he only asks that we walk through it. Family, if you've already walked through it, I want you to think of the families that have yet to walk through. I want you to think of the friends that have yet to walk through that door. Who are they? And I know they're impressed on your minds who they are. Do we continually pray for them so that they can walk through that door? So that they can leave the broadness of the path that leads to destruction and enter the narrow way which is the gate to salvation, the door to life. I know it's still in there, your minds. Pull out your phones for me, please. I want you to set a reminder. I did this before, and uh, I was up in Tumut, and one of the, the, the blokes that attended church here that, on that regional, no, it wasn't regional. It was the Sabbath I preached. Anyways, the first Sabbath of this month, and I went up to Tumut to preach, and he came up to me and said, Pastor, I set my reminder on my calendar, and I did it. And then I was able to reach out to that person that you said to pray for. I did it. Sometimes we need reminding. So pull out your phones, if you've got your phones. And I just want you to set a reminder. For those of you that are in the door, for those of you that are in Christ, who is it that the Spirit is prompting you to reach out to? Yeah, and just write out a reminder on Monday. Set an alarm clock for, your, for on Monday. So when the alarm goes off, I need to reach out to this person. Who is it? I'll give you just two minutes to write that down. Who is that person?
Because we are all, we are all disciple makers. Not just the pastor, not just the, the pastoral team, not just the leaders. We are all called to make disciples. And if we can disciple in our own families and disciple in our, in our neighborhood, we'd be doing our one small part for the kingdom so that people are ready to receive God when he, when he comes again. Alright, and now for those of you that haven't entered through the door, that haven't made a decision to enter through the door, set a reminder for yourself. Set a reminder for yourself on your, on your, on your phone. What must I do to enter the door? What must I do to accept Jesus in my life? What must I do to be safe, to be, to be saved and to be protected from the things that are coming. The people that were saved back in Jerusalem when the, Roman, when the Roman army came were the people that heeded the warning, were the people that heeded the call to run when it came. That storm's coming again. I'd say it's just started. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. But my question is, why haven't you walked through that door? What's stopping you? What's to lose if you were to walk through that door? What's to gain if you were to walk through that door? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself. Now family, I won't leave it at that. If you would like to walk through that door today, please stand with me. If you would like to walk through that door where Jesus is our Lord and Savior, He's our ark, He's who saves us. Please stand today. It's simple, family. You just need walk through the door. And again, a reminder, please remember those that haven't walked through the door in your prayers. Because they too need to be in that ark. Because God's heart mourns for them. So should ours. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that even when your heart is breaking, you are able to find a way for those who walk with you, Lord Father. Lord, we pray that our families here in Wagga, may they, may they be protected and blessed by you, Lord. The storms of life is, is a serious storm. The storms of life can sometimes snuff out the light, Lord Father, not because the light is not, is not stronger than it, Lord Father, but because we've allowed it. And I pray, Lord, that you will remind us that you are the protector, that you are able to send your right hand to help us, Lord Father, to strengthen us, to uphold us. Lord, protect our families, protect our children, Lord Father. As they grow, their, their minds are open to all sorts of things, Lord Father, that the world is teaching. But may you protect them. May they learn of your love and your grace so that when they grow old and make mistakes, may they be reminded that we serve a Father that does not chase away, but a Father that accepts, a Father that loves. I pray, Lord Father, for our marriages here in Wagga. Lord, may you continue to... Build our faith both in the husband and the wife, Lord. Because we need you. We need you individually, but when we come together, we need you to be the center of our marriages. 
Because, Lord, there is this storm that is coming to rock the boat, Lord Father. I pray also, Lord Father, for our church leaders here and our members and those that have been able to visit here. Lord, I pray that you protect them, that you remind them that they are loved, remind them that they are saved as soon as they accept Jesus. So I pray this a blessing upon them. I pray that you anoint them with oil, anoint them with your blessings, and I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. We pray, amen and amen.